thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. This is Up for a Chat with Cindy O'Mara, Karen Smith, and Kim Morrison. Here we are, up for a chat about the hottest topics that are important to you, inspiring you to awaken the change within. Karen's not here again. So we have Kim Morrison. And Cindy O'Meara. Here with an incredibly special guest. And we're going to get right into it because we preempted it last week, talking about the Mind Forum and going and listening and learning so much about the importance of the gut microbiome how incredibly important it is to eat slowly, that seasonally, locally, organically, and wholly. And one of the things that we really touched on, which was quite devastating, was the numbers of autism and ADD and ADHD rising with our children. And the thing that Cindy and I really discovered is that a lot of it comes back to our pre-pregnancy care and also what we can do as mums and dads in order to create the best chance possible for our children as they are born into a rather toxic and really chemically laden world. So it was with it is with absolute pleasure that we invite one of our most amazing new guests here this week. Um, we have an incredible, beautiful woman called Mel Kent with us. She is the coach on Cindy's Changing Habits page. She is the beautiful coach in there for the four-phase fat elimination protocol. And I know Cindy chose her especially for a very good reason. She's become one of our dearest friends. She is one of the most beautiful souls you will ever meet. And my gosh, has this woman been through a journey that we just think you mums or you people out there wanting to become parents, you need to listen up to this and you need to listen in close. We've got a lot to share. So welcome, beautiful Mel. It's Thank such you. a privilege to have you with us. Cindy, explain how you got to meet Mel and what happened and when we saw her at the Wellness Summit? Well, I think first, uh, actually, I think first what we need to talk about, Mel, um, is where were you, uh, let's say, five years ago? Tell us where you were five. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's go back to your teenage years, um, where you met Michael. Um, who's her husband. Who's her husband today. <laughs> oh, my gosh, he's gorgeous. <laughs> so can we can we go back where, what was happening in your teenage years? Um. I was. I thought I was quite healthy as a teenager. I was rather slim. I thought, and and I ate really well. Well, we, you know, Mum cooked every meal. My dad's a butcher, so it was meat and veggies every night for dinner. Um, and Michael and I met when I was in grade eleven and started dating. And in grade twelve, I got very sick with glandular fever, and I was almost. I was bedridden for three months, and then um, I just. I was sick for like nearly two years. And I just packed on, I packed on 50 kilos over two or three years, um, moving out of home, eating not great food, but not what I thought was terrible food. Low fat, wasn't it? Yeah, low fat. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I was doing a whole low fat Weight Watchers meals and, um, yeah, and Michael and I sort of, we ended up getting married and I was just, I was a size 18 when I got married and I just kept putting on weight and I ended up 120 kilos somehow. After having my children, my first two children, and I just thought, what is going on? And nothing was working. And just, yeah. Mm. So, you were doing, I I remember you saying before you found um, eating real food. Yeah. I remember you were exercising madly. Yes, like two, three hours a day. And still, at night, so nobody would see me. (laughs) 
But you couldn't lose the weight. No, no. Okay. It's so sad, you know, that, um, you know, you were young and were given the wrong information and and it, it got you into a mess, really, with yeah. your health, yeah. didn't it? Yeah. yeah, I didn't realise how sick I was. I was just, I knew I was sick and that things weren't right, but I thought that's how everyone felt. Were you taking any medications for anything? I, I wasn't, but I was pre-diabetic and I had very high... Um, blood pressure so I was I was getting there were you happy no I was not happy at all Mm. so so give me I I just have to share with our listeners that (laughs) Mel put a picture on Facebook (laughs) a while ago and this picture was of a very overweight woman holding a baby and the other picture was her looking absolutely stunning holding gorgeous Audrey now I I instantly personally messaged Mel and said, "Oh my gosh, you need to take that picture down. <laughs> that poor woman will be devastated. Not only will she be shocked that you've put a picture up like that, but she will be devastated to be compared with someone as beautiful as you." And Mel came back straight away, going, "I have no." She didn't know what I was on about apparently, and came back straight away, going, "Oh, you doofus! That's me. You did not look the same." I got such a shock. I I felt. I actually felt really sad because there's a lot of women and men that experience your journey. Yeah. They get unwell um, and who knows what from. It could be your food you're eating. It could be a multitude, emotional, like it's tough work going through our teenage years anyway. But then you find probably mild medications or pet doctors wanting to help you. We all want help. Mm. But the reality is you almost go into a downward spiral where mm. – things don't improve and then you try something else still on that same track of thought which Mm. is low fat low carb lots of exercise and calorie counting almost yeah so you had two children while you were a size 18 is that right yeah and then I went up to a size 22 like but in that time okay so now you're at a size 22 what did you do and how old were you Oh, what was five years ago? 25. So you're 25. Yes. Yeah. At the prime of your reproductive life, yeah. you wanted another baby. Yeah. Tell us how you felt then at 25. I know you just said you were unhappy, but really, if we can be open and honest about where you were at at 25, and what was, was it a mental, was it emotional, was it physical, was it spiritual? What was the catalyst that made you go, something's got to change? Tell us how you felt and then how you got to that, because that, I swear to you, if we could bottle that yeah. and put that in a tablet or in a tincture, we don't do tablets, in a tincture <laughs> no um, or some sort of <laughs> beautiful supplement, we would be multi-squillionaires. Just tell us. I, I don't even think I can begin to tell you how I felt because um, I didn't realise how depressed I was. I, I All I wanted to do was sleep all day. I didn't want to go out in public. Um I was embarrassed for Michael to go anywhere with him, so I didn't... he's such a spunk, oh, I've got to tell you. he's such a spunk. He is a spunk. Tall, <laughs> lean, lean gorgeous, <laughs> and just loves you. Like, doesn't matter, he just loves you I too. I know, and that yeah. was a sad thing, and I thought, I guess it was, I guess deep down it was a lack of respect for myself, and I probably didn't think that he would stick with me through it I like who does that I had friends whose husbands you know they'd put on five kilos and they'd say oh god you're getting a bit fat he never said a word to me about it not once you know Mm -hmm. and I guess I don't know whether I was subconsciously trying to push him to see see how far to see how much he loved I don't know what I was doing 
Did but you see how big you were getting each time? Um, it Not until I saw photos. Like, I knew that I was big. I'm not stupid. but And I, I think big people know that they're big. But for me, it was seeing photos and going, oh, my God, is that me? Is that how bad it's gotten? And you sort of think you can... You can cover up, you can cover up your fat, and you can, and you can't. You know, mm. not when you, you get think, to that size. Not when you get to that size. No, no, no. you can't. Can I just go back a little bit? Um, because I didn't realise you had glandular fever. Yeah. So were you put on antibiotics? I think I was. Yeah. I, you know, because we're talking yeah. about the importance of the microbiome, yeah. and we have been, and yeah. that was the beginning of your. You know, first of all, you were sick and you stayed yeah. sick for two years. Was that there any was the talk? big thing. That's the only big thing. That was the big thing. Was, yeah. was there any talk about diet in that two years? No. No. It's just so sad that, you know, that that was not that long ago. You were only 30. Yeah. That was less than, oh, just over 10 years ago and they still weren't talking about diet. Yeah. Hmm. And prior to that, I was, um, I used to get tonsillitis all the time. So I did have a lot antibiotics. of antibiotics as a, as a yeah. kid as well. One of the things that I learned in the GAPS conference is that there there seems to be this pattern that leads us to then a child having autism. And it's this pattern that, you know, the grandmother had a problem. So it's not about just the history of the child that, that, that the GAPS practitioners do. They look at the child, then they look at the mother and the father, and then they look at the siblings. Then they go back to the grandmother and they want as much information as they can get. And it just seems there's this pattern. And the pattern is infection, antibiotic, um, more infections, antibiotics. And, um, and that's not the only thing. There seems to be other things that are happening. So gastrointestinal problems then start, which then is passed on to the child. Then it, again, it, it starts again, infection, antibiotic. And often removal. Oh, remove removal. That's right. that's right. We remove the tonsils, the adenoids. Just before you go on, just in case people don't know the gaps, just explain what GAPS, when you're talking about GAPS protocol, GAPS practitioners, just okay. quickly. So a GAPS practitioner is someone who has understands how to implement the GAPS program, which is a, a pretty um, a, a, an amazing program that was put together around 15 years ago by a lady by the name of Dr. Natasha Campbell McBride. GAPS stands for Gut and Psychology Syndrome but it also stands for gut and physiology syndrome. So uh, she did it because of um, autism in her family and she was able to implement this protocol for her son who is now in his 20s at university, got a girlfriend, looks at you in the eye, is able to do everything that a normal human being can do as opposed to being diagnosed with autism at three and a half. So it's a protocol. And um, Sheridan and Jordan and I from Changing Habits um, went to the GAPS training. And, um, yeah, I, I, just, I just saw, we did case studies, and I just saw the same pattern. It was just the same pattern happening over and over and over again. And I think we're now waking up to that fact that that pattern is there. Number one, the grandmother passes it to the mother. The mother lives in a toxic society, um, in a toxic world, is not aware of what she's eating because the pyramid says that we should be eating lots of carbs um, and then we've been seduced by the marketing of packaged foods that we don't have to cook in our kitchen. We can just bring this stuff home, feed this to our kids, feed it to ourselves. And it's a spiral and it seems to be generational. It's not just one person, it's generational. 
And then, um, you know, as we discussed last week, if anybody hasn't listened to last week, we recommend highly that you li- you listen to last week. What happens is often our firstborn becomes the dumping ground of all those toxins, not just heavy metals, but the food that we've eaten and fat holds it and and looks after it so that it doesn't hurt you as a, as a human being. But then what happens is that we dump that onto our children. Mm. So, you know, the cycle of, and sometimes I think what happens is that we are in such a toxic world that it just doesn't happen to the firstborn now. It's happening to the first, the second, and the thirdborn, and, and so on. So, And particularly if the mum doesn't learn you know, or doesn't understand what's happening and yeah. you can't blame them because no. there's not, I don't think this is common knowledge. Um, so, no, and so, if it was common knowledge, we would do as um, our ancestors did and we would have preconception and what you, Kim, you did it intuitively. Mm. I know, I know. This is what I wanted to say to you, Mel. So at 25 years of age, two children, totally down on yourself you know you're overweight you're getting bigger Mm. you're not eating great now that you know what great is your relationships suffering probably on one level and you're pushing your husband further away what was your aha it was the kids I saw a photo I know it was I just saw a photo of me playing with Lachlan and I was bending over a water table and I'm like oh my god like what is that? I, and I, I remember the way I was feeling when I was playing with him and I just, all I wanted to do was go and lie down. I didn't want to be there. I thought, you know, it took so much energy to do the most basic thing and I didn't want that for my kids and I didn't want to be the fat mum that the kids got teased for. What did and you do? What did you do then? So if you saw that picture, what did you do? Well, that's when I started my nightly exercise so no one would see me. So I'd go, I'd get on my bike (laughs) and I'd ride round and round and round and round, like from nine o'clock to 11 o'clock at night. I didn't do that straight away. I had to work my way up. The first time I think I got 200 metres down the road and thought, oh my God, I'm going to have a heart attack. Where is Michael? Come and get me. (laughs) And then, yeah, I just kept working up and I was... I was doing the calorie counting, so I thought I was so cool because I could sneak an entire packet of diet jelly for 35 calories. Look out, an entire packet of jelly for dessert every night. School. Wow. And yeah. that was the coloured... And that was the coloured... Artificially sweetened. Jelly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yes, that... It was yeah. just and the, the Coke Zero, that kept me full all day because it was zero calories, so... Coke Zero. Oh so I thought I was being so, so good, like walking around drinking my Coke Zero and eating my diet jelly. And that obviously what happened? It did not. I felt ter- I felt terrible. I just and people would say like I did end up losing about ten kilos doing that, but it took a it took nearly two years, um, it took a long time, and people would say I'm oh you know you've you've lost weight. Do you feel really good? I'm like oh, I don't want to lose weight if I'm if I'm going to feel like this. Like what what's the point of going through all this hard work if I'm still going to feel like this? And it's I think point, that, that you know what, it is it is such a point. And mm. I think that this is what happens is that, you know, we're not, we don't know what's happening. Mm. Um, we think we're doing the right thing. We're counting the calories. You had 35 calories with the jelly and the red <laughs> and the artificial sweet and the diet, whatever you were drinking. Yeah. And this is what, this is what the, and this is what's so, so sad because you're an intelligent woman. Mm. You know, I I've been I've known I've known you for I don't know how many a couple of years maybe three, about two, three, two or three years, yeah, three and you're a very intelligent woman. And to think that even you had been seduced by calories, yeah, 
and artificial sweeteners yeah. and fake foods and that you didn't consider that what you put into your body is making your body and no wonder. Yeah. You would just then go off and buy, get another 40 kilos on you because yeah. you would think, oh, well, this isn't working. I don't care. Exactly. And you go mm-hmm. through stages like that when you've got so much weight to lose. Like It's overwhelming. You think there's no way I'll ever get there. And I remember... When I started the um, HCG, I thought, right, if I can just get to a size 16, that's my goal. Size 14 is my ultimate goal. That will be, I thought it was unachievable. I thought there's no way. And mm-hmm. it's when you're that weight and you're that size, you just think it can't. And you've tried so many times and it hasn't worked. Oh, I was on prescriptions, medications, but it was for, it wasn't for health. It was for, I was trying to lose weight. So I tried a couple of um, oh, prescription weight loss, which also didn't work like, terrible headaches and yeah so when you've tried the prescription weight loss medications and the lean cuisines and the diet jelly and three hours of exercise a day and the boot camps and you still feel like crap and you're still you know so how old weight. are you now how old were you then so this is now 27 um yes been 27. and you were told you couldn't have any more children yeah yeah so we'd been trying it had it had taken us a long time to fall pregnant with both our other children. Like obviously there was only a two year gap between Lachlan and Evie, but that was full on trying from the moment Lachlan was born. And well, not the moment <laughs> I saw that look, and it was not from me. I just keep it like not the moment. Okay, I won't get into specifics. But soon after, <laughs> that just that's a really important point, though. Like when you're feeling like that, yeah. To have intimacy with your husband mm. is not for the act of lovemaking, for want of a better word. <laughs> it is to try and have a baby, yeah. obviously. Yeah. But did you feel you were truly you in, when you were in that state mm. or space? No, not really. No. no. Lights off all the way. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I hear this so often with women that don't like their bodies or mm. they can't. But it sounds to me like you're in a hellhole. Yeah. It sounds to me like, like how the hell did you find... Okay, you mentioned the HCG. What took you to that? Like, had you tried every diet under the sun? What happened? Yes. And, and as I well as this... Them. There's a gazillion of them. But as well <laughs> as this, Mel, what I'm trying to understand here is, even amongst all this toxicity, your body is telling you it is not happy. Yeah. And yet you're and trying to have mind. a yeah. and her mind, and, and her yet mind. you're trying to have a baby. Yeah, I, I just find that insane. Yeah. Well, I, sorry, I don't mean to knock <laughs> that, but it's like, oh my gosh, do we think a baby's going to make us better? Mm. So clearly, the body was saying, no, we yeah. can't have a baby. You yeah. tried, and it wasn't working. What led you to the HCG or the four phase? Can um, we also talk about your appointment with the doctor for the band? Oh uh, yeah. So, so this was I'd, before this so, as well. Yeah. 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 Okay, so um, I had years ago um, found Cindy's book, Changing Habits, Changing Lives. So I had read that, so I knew that. And it was always something, it was sort of simmering in me. Like I knew that's where my core beliefs lay, but I couldn't possibly see how if I was doing low-fat everything, which is, you know, virtually no calories and exercising that much and I'm still putting on weight. I just didn't, I didn't believe it and I didn't want to try something that was full cream, full fat, and then possibly put on another 50 kilos. Like the thought of putting on more weight was just, I couldn't do it. So and it's I'd, almost like you were frozen in that position yeah. and too scared to go and try yeah, new things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I'd, yeah, I eventually decided, I started Googling surgeons and I made inquiries about a gastric band. And as soon as I finished breastfeeding, that's what my plan was. Um, and then... 
I thought, well, I just, oh, Cindy's book was niggling at me. It was packed away. I couldn't see it, but I knew. I was like, oh, before I have this surgery, I might just look up that Cindy O'Meara character again and see if there's anything else she's got to say. And um, that's when I found the four-phase fat elimination. It was relatively new then. I mm-hmm. think it was like, yeah, three years ago. So. Yeah, I, I think it was three years ago now. Yeah, so, well, yeah, I think yeah. we were one of the first ones that yeah. did it. I was in like maybe the first or second month of people that did it. And um, and I looked at that and I thought, it's not going to work. <laughs> and I'm not going to tell anybody that I'm doing it. I had to tell Michael because I sneakily brought the pack and then I got the pack and I dropped the bo- bottle of drops and smashed them everywhere. I thought, oh, that's a $90 bottle of drops and I need another one. Yeah. So I had to fess up to him. But I didn't tell anybody else because I thought, I'm not going to succeed. But we'll try it. And then I know I've done everything before the gastric banding. Mm. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So. So your first round. My first round, I was so sceptical, but I thought I'm going to give it my everything. I'm not going to cheat because if I'm getting a gastric band, I want to know that I've given it a thousand percent and done everything right. So we'd actually moved. We'd moved from Townsville to the Sunshine Coast right before I started. So we'd said goodbye to our friends and family. We got down there and I started, um, I lost 15 kilos in the first round, but after about a week, like I had a pretty bad first week. It wasn't as bad as I thought, but yeah, I was detoxing pretty badly. Um, and then I started, my health improved really quickly. I was really surprised. My skin started clearing up within two weeks and, um, people kept saying my eye color had changed and that, I think they'd gone like a murky brown color Mm. and yeah, people started saying, Oh my goodness, your eyes are getting so green. And so that's how quick some changes were starting to happen. And then, so I lost 15 kilos and then we moved back because Michael's job didn't work out. We moved back home and nobody had seen me and I hadn't put any photos up on Facebook. And I got home and my parents were waiting for us at the airport and they didn't even, they looked right by us. They didn't even see. And then they saw Michael and they're like, well, who's this? And then, oh my goodness, it's Mel. And they, yeah, because they had no idea I was doing anything. Yeah. Yeah. And mum actually was the one that said it wasn't just the weight, it was the skin and the, like, I just looked different. Mm. Yeah. Because at last you were eating real food. Yeah. 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 Finally, I was eating no real diet. food. No diet. <laughs> no diet. <laughs> so you went from there. You'd mm. lost how much in total in the first round? Fifteen. Fifteen. Yeah. So you got home. Have you then thought I'm going to go another round? Like yeah. yeah. So I waited my. I did all of my rounds with the just the minimum requirement because I just I didn't want to stop. I thought if I stop, I'll just put on more weight, and I was I didn't want to go back. So yeah. Then I did my next round and. <laughs> Another 15 kilos. Wow. Yeah. I mean, in total, you've lost 55 kilos. Yeah. But not only in that, something else happened. You came up to us at the Wellness Summit, the very first Wellness Summit, nearly three years ago. Yeah. And you walked in and you, I was standing right next to Cindy and we'd heard <laughs> about you. Two years, that was not last was it year, two? the year before, wasn't oh, it? Yeah. I think so. Was, yeah, it would have been because yeah. it was after, yeah. So the second one was lost a lot yeah. of the weight, yeah. So you're standing there and you're talking to Cindy and I didn't even know who you were because you did not look like the picture that she had showed me. <laughs> mm. So um, it was amazing to see you at the Wellness Summit and how excited we were and the vibrancy and the mm. energy. Mm. But you didn't know something else at that point. What happened? Well, what I didn't know and what was rather interesting to tell my husband with the dates was that I was pregnant just very, very early on in pregnancy so, yeah. <laughs> and and the fact and that they did the ultrasound, this is what blows me away. 
is that you had been given the diagnosis of PCOS. Yeah. At 70-something? Well, there was 50-something on one side and 30-something on the other, so all up there was over 80 cysts. They stopped counting on the side, Mm -hmm. on one of the sides, because they just gave up and thought, yeah, there's a lot there. And when you had your first ultrasound for you, for the new baby to come, yeah. you had no more cysts. There were no more cysts, yeah. That, that's just, yeah. I love I love the power of food. I love the power of yeah. what you did. Yeah. And it took a huge commitment, I'd imagine. Yeah. Massive, but I think the thing I love about your program, Cindy, is that it is instant in the sense that, you know, I've done it myself and I know those first few days of the detox is pretty heavy mm. and it's pretty hard. Mm. Um but I'd imagine with someone carrying that much weight, losing the weight quite quickly, but knowing you're also changing your metabolism and the way your body reacts to the weight, yeah. it's not just a short-term fix. No. So you it's found what, it, Sorry. I was just going to say, it's what it's what you need when you've got a lot of weight to lose. You need, well, I needed the, the rapid weight loss to keep me motivated, um, but I also needed the real food, so it was like... Yeah, you're teaching yourself to do the right thing. Yeah. Were you still reading a lot of Cindy's stuff? Yeah. So she had become, or her company and everything had become a bit of a crux for you? Like you were... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the whole point of today, not only to hear your amazing story, and I have to say to you, your story is inspirational, Mel, and there are so many other men and women out there, probably at your darkest moment. Yeah. Some of them listening to this have got friends or family members that are just like this yeah so your bravery and courage and sharing that is massive and I mean I didn't know you when you were that big so I only know you as the beautiful Mel and whenever you pull out those pictures I just I I, it it is a completely different person what we really wanted to help other women with is the knowledge you've learned from there around the importance of preconception care um, the importance of what's happened yeah. since you've had your baby because the journey now of beautiful little Audrey has sent you into another catapulting spiral. <laughs> <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> so, so give us a background on that. Okay, so Audrey, being my little miracle baby that we got told we could never have, did we say that? That mm-hmm. I got told I was infertile? Mm-hmm. Yes, okay, good. And that's um, why you were just free for all, right? That's why we were free, yes. <laughs> I decided I was going to be a nurse and I'd enrolled in nursing and I was studying and I was doing the protocol and then I started vomiting. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I thought, oh well, you know, like I'd always wanted the third, we'd been trying, but it was just that we got told we couldn't and we couldn't really afford it. Oh, couldn't afford or justify the IVF money when we already had two beautiful children. So we thought time to give up on that and just and keep going with our lives. And so I thought when I found out I was pregnant, I thought, oh, this will be great. Like my healthiest, I've lost 55 kilos. I'm eating real food. It'll be wonderful. And, and you know, I changed some ideas about pregnancy as well. I wasn't actually going to have any ultrasounds, but because of my miscarriage history, and I'd miscarried two months prior to this one as well, um, and a few of the kinds of miscarriages I had, I did have the scan, the first scan. Um, but other than that, like I changed my whole outlook to pregnant, um, pregnancy. I wasn't going to do quite a lot of things. And um, we ended up... Okay, we ended up, you ended up going to... So I, what I'd love to ask you at this point is while you were in the middle of this transitioning of... Um, new thoughts around pregnancy, new ways of being. Probably, I mean, I'd imagine, and tell me if I'm wrong, imagine going from all your scans Mm. and going from all your 
typical procedures and and maybe even well, um, talk about the glucose tolerance the, test. Yeah, let's the, do that one. Yeah, that, was, yeah, that was brilliant. Yeah. There's so many. We don't there's know where to so start. There's so many things. I know I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, there's so many things I was doing differently and just the food and everything. But, yeah, the glucose tolerance test was, was one that I wasn't going to get. Um, and I'd already researched the ingredients and everything. And in the end, uh, we've got the blog on yeah, your website, we did don't blog we? On so, yeah, yeah, read that because there's all the ingredients in that. But I did um, – I was sitting there and I got I got blackmailed in an appointment. I was measuring nine weeks ahead, which just for the record, measurements are not accurate. And they, they measure you with a tape. So they measure the fundal height. And I was measuring nine weeks ahead for where I should be. And my midwife knows me very well and knows what I think about all these things. And she's like, oh, Mel, I just can't – I could fudge it down a couple of centimetres, but I can't I, – I need to now refer you on to an obstetrician because you might need a, a sizing scan and things like that. And so I went into the obstetrician – and his first thought was that I had gestational diabetes, and which I knew that I didn't have. I felt amazing. It was my healthiest feeling pregnancy um, by far. And I went in there and so I negotiated and I said, well, and he wanted me to do the glucose tolerance test. And I said, well, what if I buy a blood glucose meter and I prick my finger three times a day for five weeks and I bring in my results at my next appointment? And he said, yep, that'd be fine. We'll do that. And I said, oh, great. Thank you. And off I went and I pricked myself three times a day and sometimes more because I we needed to get a variety. So before food, after food, you know, straight after food, two hours after food. So I did quite a lot um, and all my levels were fine. So I knew I didn't have gestational diabetes and I went in and I'll never forget it was do you remember when the doctors had that big pay scandal thing like that yeah yeah yeah. so I don't know all the ins and outs but I think somebody was wanting to cut their wage and and change their Mm. um, contracts and things Mm. and it happened to be the morning of that rally and he this doctor had been at the rally and so I walked in I didn't know this and he was in a bad mood he was not the doctor I'd met previously he was he was in a bad mood and I walked in with my little diary of all my blood readings and he refused to look at it. He just outright refused to look at it. And I'd spent all that time and all those sore fingers. And he got me up on the bed and he just said, there is no way unless there is two babies in here that you don't have gestational diabetes. And I said, I don't look at my, and he just wouldn't. He said, I'm not even looking at that. There's no way that you don't have it. And he said to me, I was under um, a midwifery group practice, which is one-on-one midwife care because I think that midwives are the gold standard of antenatal care. Um, So I didn't choose to have an obstetrician, but you do have to see them once or twice during the pregnancy. And, um, yeah, and so he decided and he told me that if I didn't get the glucose tolerance test, which I didn't want, that he was going to label me as being gestational diabetic anyway and move me from my midwife to high-risk obstetric care, which would mean I would have to go up to the hospital once a week instead of once a month seeing my midwife. Arrogance. So, yeah. Ignorance. Arrogance and ignorance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and the thing is, nobody can force you to do anything. You have the power over your own body. But when you're put in a position like that, it's it's blackmail. And I was blackmailed because he knew there was no way I would choose high-risk obstetric care and be labelled as gestational diabetic and 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 leave my beautiful midwife and the care that I was receiving there. So I walked out fuming. I actually slammed the door. I've never done that to anybody in my life. I was so cranky and I just cried and cried and cried. And I thought, well, I'm going to have to do it. But then my concern was I'd been eating so healthy for so long. I hadn't had sugar or glucose or anything in – it would have been two years – 
And I thought, I wonder if I'll get a false result because my body won't be able to deal with it how it should. And then I was panicking about that. And because I'd, get, I'd bought myself the five weeks leeway, mm. you know, by doing the finger pricking test, I was further along in my pregnancy than you should be when you get the test because the further into pregnancy you get, the higher your blood sugar levels naturally get. So I was at risk of getting a false positive. Mm. And I remember I was texting you, wasn't I, Cindy, when I was sitting in that waiting room. So I decided she to was, do it because yeah. I wanted to keep my midwife um, and I looked up the ingredients and I was outraged. And I screenshot to Cindy. I'm like, I can't believe I have to drink this green crap. Oh, my goodness. Might have been a few more choice words than that. But anyway, and we just just sitting there and I thought, oh, and you're not allowed to. You've got to sit still. You're not allowed to exercise and you're not allowed to, you're not allowed to walk around. You're not allowed to have a drink. And I thought, oh, I've got to move this. I'm going to get it. I was feeling like I was going to vomit. And I kept walking into the toilet and just drinking water out of the sink in the toilet because I thought, oh, I can't. Because it's just super high glucose. Yeah, I nearly spewed. And it's bright green. And oh, it's green. It's bright green. Remember the sea green? And it's actually prohibited for use in infants. And they're giving it to pregnant women, this colour. And it's banned in all these countries. And we're having it like we're giving it to pregnant women. Oh, my God. Oh, anyway, and I drove home, and I, I went to pick up, I think it was Eve, one of my friends had Evie, and I went to pick her up, and I was sitting on her couch, and she's like, you look like you're about to pass out, and I'm like, I don't know whether I'm going to poo, spew, or faint, or all three, <laughs> I'm not sure, and so I said, I'm going to go, and I took Evie home, and I had to pull over on the way home and vomit, and it was... Oh, was right outside of school at lunchtime, a primary school, and I'm vomiting bright green. I looked like an alien, or bright of Chucky or something, vomiting in this thing. And all the kids and are your hanging, head turning around, yeah. around, 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 around. <laughs> and all the kids are <laughs> hanging over the fence, pointing at me. I'm like, oh! And I went home and passed out. And I think I sent you the photo too. Eve, my daughter, got the phone and was taking photos of me passed out, and I looked like I was half dead. It was mm. awful, and that was two days of just not, you know, good. not good at all. But what was your result? Oh, I was fine. Absolutely fine. Perfect <laughs> blood sugar levels. Surprise, surprise. And the follow-up, I was supposed to have a follow-up appointment with that doctor and he just, he didn't even come and see me. And my midwife said he's embarrassed. He yeah. gave you so much curry about that and it's come back fine and he's really embarrassed. Mm. Yeah. So he should have been. Yeah. Yeah, and I wanted should, to. To me, he should have come in and said, I apologise. I would have happily I'm, taken yeah. an apology. Mm. Yeah. 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 So moving on to mm. the birth, you yeah. have a beautiful... <laughs> You have a beautiful birth, don't you? Yeah. You have it at home. Yeah. With your children and your husband around you. Yeah. And it's just one of the most... She comes out sleeping. Sleeping. She was born sound asleep. Um, I was the one that delivered her, so I was the first one to touch her. She was straight on my chest, straight... Well, when she woke up, she was breastfeeding. Um, Nobody else touched her. There was... Yeah. It was just beautiful. And so, apart from the glucose tolerance test, my whole pregnancy had been... Beautiful, no interventions, real food. Mm. Um, yeah, and it was the only pregnancy I didn't vomit until the day that I delivered. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the first three months were a bit tough, though. Yeah, the they? first three were bad. Yeah, yeah, um, really and tough. I thought I was in for it for the whole 41 weeks again, which I usually go 41 weeks, but it was, yeah, three months was it. So you have this beautiful, healthy baby that's breastfed. Yeah. And then you notice there's some things that are happening mm. and you what 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 tell me the first things that happened so it was when she was about two weeks old she got this very um strange rash on her face and it was really leathery and bright red and it was a bit like eczema I thought it was eczema because my eldest son had eczema um but the nurse said it's not eczema I don't know I've never seen anything like that before and it was kind of 
red and leathery with little pimples in it. I thought, oh, it must be something I'm eating. And I was a bit naughty because I'd snuck a bit of dairy back in, like um, butter and cream. So I removed dairy and it cleared up a little bit and then it just kept flaring up constantly. So I thought, oh, I need to just strip right back. Um, and I kept eliminating foods until we got to a place where she was not rashing anymore. So it took a while, but we got back to um, meat and sweet potatoes. So I could eat steak. Um, I could eat white fish, not salmon, and I could eat chicken and sweet potato, and that was it. I couldn't eat any greens, any fruit, any other any other vegetables at all. Which is not good for you. No. It's no. not a good position for you to be in, but you did that. Yeah. So that your baby could continue to drink your breast milk. Yeah, yeah. So we kept going on like that, and every now and then, if I would have something, so I'd challenge it, and things that I hadn't tried before. So one day it was I ate one strawberry, and within six hours she had this rash on her face again. So this is me eating and it going through the breast milk. Mm -hmm. um, and then another day I did the same thing with a raspberry, because somebody said, oh, strawberries, you know, can cause a lot of eczema issues in babies. Why don't you try a raspberry? So I tried a raspberry. Um, green veggies, like I did everything one at a time to see what I could and couldn't eat. And... Then I think it was I came down for the Changing Habits Christmas party and she'd been in a pretty good spot. She'd had quite a few ear infections. My other kids had never had an ear infection and they were like rupturing and then getting staph and we were getting the swabs and, yeah, I think she had three of those um, and she needed antibiotics once because she had the staph and everything in there and she reacted to the antibiotics quite badly and... Then I came down for the Changing Habits Christmas party and she was in a, what I'd call stable, like she was just, she was okay, but I knew if I ate anything she'd get a rash again. And I ate some of the beautiful broccoli salad that was at the Christmas party and that was it. She just, after that, green it was poos. green, mucousy, mm. 10, 15 times a day of these poos. Um, she had constant bloodshot eyes, the rashes were back, and we just couldn't get her back. I stayed, I went back to my strict food, and she it was two months, and she didn't improve. It was just constant green diarrhea. And eventually, I hadn't realised, because of when you're changing a nappy 10 or 15 times a day with this diarrhea, I didn't realise she wasn't weaning. So I don't know how long she went without weaning, but eventually I was like, every nappy is just it's just this it's just this poo and it's light and um yeah, we took her into the doctor and when she finally started weaning again, all the urates come out. You know how that happens with newborns sometimes mm -hmm. because they haven't used their bladder? Mm. So where are we at? How many months is Audrey at this so point? So she would be mm, Seven months. Seven months. Seven so you, months old. you end up going to the paediatrician and he gives yeah. you the news that... They thought that it was multiple food protein intolerances, mm -hmm. um, or so allergies. I think, so I think that's what they thought it was. Because, and they said she's allergic to the protein in your milk. Mm. And he said it's actually... I, I'd luckily taken photos of every reaction and correlated it with what I'd eaten. And he said it's actually too much for me to deal with here. You're going to have to travel and see a specialist down south. So he said... He rang and spoke to the specialist and they said, no, she has to stop breastfeeding and she needs to get onto an elemental formula. And I thought, remember me ringing? I was like, no, this can't be right. I'm not stopping breastfeeding my child. And I rang. So let's me. just talk what an elemental formula is. Okay. So an elemental formula is um, where it's like a, a formula, like just like a baby formula with powder, but it's proteins are completely broken into amino acids. So their, their belief was that Audrey couldn't digest any proteins yeah. and so it's bound into amino oh, it's put into amino acids which are the segmented it's like a pearl necklace. All the pearls are separate. It's all separate. 
And then what happens is there's high fructose corn syrup in them. There's um, a couple of fats we weren't happy with, mm, were they? Yes, yes. A yeah. couple of fats we weren't happy with. And then all the synthetic vitamins and minerals. Yeah. But this yeah. is the only thing that she could take in without it causing distress to her. Yeah, mm. yeah. Yeah. So, so what had you two decided at this point? Because you were having lots of conversations. Oh, what Cindy was ringing this? the whole world for me. She was trying to track down. She was trying to see if we could get one made that didn't have this high fructose corn syrup. She was just... We are trying I everything. think I was in panic mode. I just... Um, yeah. No, I didn't... Yeah. And then my husband says to me... So he... he Howard um, used to work um, for Natalie Cook and Kerry Podhast in the um, Olympics. You know, they're the beach volleyballers, gold medalists. And when Kerry left, Natalie took on a new partner called Nicole Sanderson. And um, Nicole, she, he said to me, as I'm on... Like, Casey and I are together yeah. on computers trying to find what is happening. We, we have no idea. We're researching everything. Can't find it. And Howard's listening to us and he says... Sounds like Audrey is a little bit like Charlie, Nicole's um, uh, daughter. And I went, who's Nicole? And he goes, you know, Nicole from Nat and Nicole when they were doing And I went, oh, okay. I said, can you give me your number? Let me ring her. Because I was to the point where I just need someone who can help. So I actually talked to Nicole for straight, straight away, then rang Mel and said, Mel, I think I found someone that might be able to decipher some of the things that are happening it sounds like her daughter was in the same position so i look hooked the two of them together they become best friends they <laughs> talk to each other every day but nicole was her saving grace because nicole's daughter had been through some exactly the same thing couldn't accept the breast milk had the green um, mucusy poos was on that elemental formula till she was two she, she was, that was her only food until she was two. I think she was on it until she was four or five. Oh, four or five. Because she had yeah. hardly any foods. Yeah. yeah, she had hardly any foods. But we know Charlie yeah. now and yeah. she's a five-year-old um, that is just oh, five she's or six. Beautiful. She's beautiful. Yeah, she's yeah, thriving. She's, she's, she's just thriving. Yeah. Because Nicole, what Nicole did was this, this like, so this well, happened. Nicole's also a naturopath. She's a naturopath, yes. Mm. And what Nicole did was that she realised what was happening and she just researched and she actually wrote a paper on um, eosinophilia. Was it yeah. eosinophilia disorder yeah. or gastric distress? Yeah. Um, what was happening to these babies? And I tell you, I had been on a huge learning curve. And then with Mind last week, there was just everybody was talking about it. Yet, you know, when I went through nutrition school, nobody was talking about this stuff. Even 10 years ago, no one was talking about this. And even um, GAPS. Natasha said only in the last five years has she seen these kids that are just allergic, allergic to mother's milk. Yeah. Got either constipation or these mucusy green um, poos and they have to go on an elemental formula. Yeah. So what happens? What do you do? What do you do? Like, <laughs> just feed, just feed her that she's milk. Distra- oh, well, she's distressed. I, I, she's distressed. Yeah, I... I can't even tell you how distressed I was at that because looking like if we go back, I home birthed my second child and I, and I breastfed until she was two. So I had these grand dreams that this was my last baby and I was going to breastfeed until she was two. And that's just the way it was going to be. And she wasn't going to eat solid foods until she was six months. Well, she's not going to eat them for a lot longer than that. She's she now. But she's not but also going to have your breast milk. She has to be right. on the and elemental. That, that realization mm-hmm. and, 
And I'm somebody who's, I'm a doula as well, so I'm a birth support person, and I also help women establish breastfeeding, and I'm the biggest supporter of breastfeeding, and I thought, this can't be, like, I've helped so many people, and so many people who thought their children needed to be on formula, who didn't, and they've relactated, and they've been able to continue breastfeeding, I think... This it can't be right, and I just I didn't have that trust um, in the pediatrician who I saw just for you know that short appointment that this could possibly be right. I thought there had to be something else, and so we ended up when we went down to the specialist. He said, "No, absolutely not. You're making her worse. It's it's unfortunately she would have been a baby that wouldn't have survived before we had this elemental formula and." That was really hard mm. and and trying to wean this little booby monster. And, you know, she, Cindy, you know, she used to mm. feed all the time. And looking back, it's because she was always in pain. Um, the milk was going straight through her. She wasn't digesting it properly. She was always hungry. She was always on the boob. And that, you know. Yeah, she was, wasn't she? She was. I you made coming comments. up that yeah. weekend thinking, you know, she was on constantly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, and I was prepared to do that. But in hindsight, I, I realised that it was... Yeah, probably. So Audrey's how old now? So she's just turned one. And what have you been doing since that diagnosis? So we finally switched her over to the formula. Can can we talk about that we don't even have a diagnosis? Yeah, we don't. No, we're still we're we actually don't even have one. It's it's changed every time we go back. So the the next appointment we had, that appointment we had down south with the specialist did. food allergy testing and she tested she's got an EpiPen for nuts and coconut so that was her main allergies but she reacted to lots and lots of other things they just weren't measuring and it's random isn't it it's really random but there he just said she's got multiple food allergies and intolerances so that's what we thought she had and he said look she'll grow out of the intolerances she'll grow out she might grow out of some of the allergies probably nuts not likely that she'll grow out of but you know he and he wasn't too concerned he's like it's it's hard and you it's really difficult what you're going through and she does need to stay on the formula elemental formula but she will get better and we went away and she just wasn't getting better she improved when she switched over 100 percent to the formula she did improve somewhat but it was still um you know low level rashes happening all the time tummy tummy aches and it was when we started to try and introduce solids that we really thought oh my goodness what are we dealing with here it was everything she'd eat it would be projectile vomited if you gave her one little thing it would be six days of vomiting after one little teaspoon of something um the the mucusy poos again constipation like weird constipation (laughs) um yeah, it's just... So I'm hearing... I mean, I've seen Audrey. I've been hugging her and snogging her, <laughs> and I absolutely... She looks like a healthy, bonny, yeah. beautiful little girl who really, considering all her pain, is one of the most beautiful mm. babies. Yeah. Um, and I know you've had nurses and doctors think that you're a hypochondriac, that yeah. you're a neurotic, over-the-top, overprotective mother. Mm. This is the other hard thing when you're struggling and you've got a baby that looks so amazing. Mm. Am I right in assuming we have a gut issue here? Can we talk about what you think is happening, Cindy? Well, I I know this, that we've talked about a synophilia disorder. We've talked about what's the mast, mast cell? Mast cell activation, activation disorders. disorders. We've talked about FPIs. Mm. But there's been no, she doesn't seem to fit into any of those categories. But it's definitely gut to have constipation, green poos, you know, anything she eats, anything she puts into her mouth, anything you put on her skin even, you know, she just comes through a rash. So it would definitely be, we, you have to heal the gut. But how do you heal the gut 
when all this, this, you know, Audrey can do is take this elemental formula, which is filled with high fructose corn syrup. And, but it, the thing is, is that we've got to get a move away from that and say, this is keeping her alive until we can figure out how do we heal the gut and get her onto a food, you know, good foods. And I think Nicole has been instrumental in, in helping you through this and yep. in helping you understand because she's been through it with her child. And I, I don't know if there's groups out there. I don't know if there's – because there could be mothers listening going, oh, my gosh, is this what's wrong? Is this what's happening with my baby? I've never been able to figure it out. And the more and more our, our generations go, the greater the, cha- the risks are of um, – you know, the problems that we're seeing. And here you had done a complete elimination protocol um, and by rights, you know, this baby had the best start in life because you've had no antibiotics. Mm -hmm. The doctors will not vaccinate her Mm -hmm. um, because they don't know the reactions that she'll have. So she's basically begun her life the best she can possibly begin. And, you know, we have to look back and go the amount of toxicity that's in our life. You live mm. near sh- the sugarcane yeah. fields. They spray Roundup on sugarcane fields. You know, we don't know. We, you know, what what has caused this? So yeah. was it the fact that you were in the middle of still in an elimination protocol where you were still losing weight? I mean, do we think that could have something to do with it when we know? I know you've had two children, but mm. there was quite a gap. Yeah. And quite a significant, 55 kilos is my weight. Yeah. You lost me. <sighs> Wow. <laughs> no, seriously, when you said 55 kilos, I've gone, holy heck. Oh, give or yeah. take a few. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> After I had all the jelly I had last week. <laughs> but, but in all honesty, that's a lot of weight in a short amount of time. And if you had been mm. storing toxins from all the different, the, the chemical foods you were eating, the artificial, sweet. artificial yeah. sweeteners yeah. and everything, like... The antibiotics. The antibiotics, everything. Your fat tissue Mm. would have been storing all that. You would have been doing a major detox and then you fall pregnant. What we learned at the Mind Forum Mm. is, now it's not just the firstborn, but I look at Audrey because of your gap as a firstborn and you were a completely different person when you fell pregnant with her to what you were with the other two, Mm. that she's almost like your firstborn. And she really, when they said that at the Mind Forum a couple of weeks ago on about the, the, the firstborn or that baby gets, it's a, that's the major detox a woman can do. Yeah. But I want to put here right now so that there are not mothers out there, nor Mel, feeling guilty. This is not about guilt. This is not about you guys that have done this. This is our major corporations that do not have our best interest. Mm -hmm. These are the people that, uh, you know, we have to stop buying whatever they're, um, seducing us to buy. Mm. That's what I believe. You know, mm. I, I just wish I'd found you when you're in your 20s, you know. Yeah. I really feel that we could have opened your eyes. But yeah. how many other mothers oh, are in your situation yeah. or were in your situation? My belief is, Mel, is that I watched you with that baby. I think you were, I think Audrey was three months old yeah. and I came up yeah. for the microbirth. Microbirth, yeah. Now, who takes on with three children, <laughs> decides to, um, and I sent the video to her. <laughs> you were the instigator. I was the instigator. I sent this video to her in microbirth, and she decides to create this huge movie, um, like it was a, the, showing. a showing, yeah. with an expo. 
Yeah. <laughs> With an expo. Just cause. 80 yeah. something people showed up. The expo, oh, how many stands did you have? 30? Was there 30? Oh, yeah, this was, yeah, this was with the, we were opening up maternity choices in Townsville yeah. as well. Um, yeah, so I think there were, yeah, there were 25 Who or 30 stalls. Yeah. Well, it's because of Mel. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm sorry that you've had to experience it. I truly mm. am. But it's thanks to, what you've gone through that you are actually creating a whole new awareness around the importance of preconception care honoring our bodies being as pure as we can possibly be not taking for granted that the foods we eat are always the best Mm. not toxifying ourselves with maybe personal care products and things like this i think you're the extreme of what can happen when we are hypersensitive and we are going through massive change. And I think why we wanted to share you with the world is because you are such a giving, amazing, caring soul that it is someone like Mel that would put on an event like this to help other women. Um, Even your time of crisis, you are still someone who's willing to give. And I dare say most women, once they fall pregnant or are in the or have children, understand that. Like it mm. is, but my, a lot of women in your position would have probably reclused, understandably, as well. So, what would you say has been? And I know you've done a lot of work on yourself around your what you felt was your responsibility or your role. And I agree with Cindy. There's no way any woman would ever want anything wrong with their no. children. Never. But I do believe that because of the type of person you are, that for some reason you're becoming a a trailblazer for women to understand this importance. And that's why we wanted to share you because also there's a lot of women out there and we're getting asked weekly at the moment, what would be your advice around pre-pregnancy care? What would be your advice if you have got a bit of weight to lose before you have a baby? What, what would be your message to women listening to this podcast and families? I think definitely after talking to quite a few, I've got good friends, they all went to mind, and after talking to quite a few of them, they've all said give it six months after a detox um, before falling pregnant, and I think I would definitely say that. Like definitely lose the weight, detox, you need to do that. Don't be scared of doing that and having a baby because, you know, you won't be healthy anyway if you don't change. So do the detox, but don't put yourself in my position and, fall pregnant accidentally or otherwise while you're detoxing because you just don't know. I mean, the the eggs that you will conceive with are made at least three months prior to you conceiving. So you think even three months prior to me conceiving, I was still, I was doing the elimination. So, you know, I was still releasing toxins. In actual actual fact, the eggs, you know, when they're Mm. they're formed. So your mother's mother has the responsibility of three generations, yourself, the, the her, her daughter their daughter yeah. and then she has the eggs for you wow. let's say mm. so what you have is that you've actually had those eggs mm. virtually from the time you were born, born. yeah you mm. do you do yeah and then but it, when they're developing yeah when they're developing yeah yes. that happens three months prior yeah. to con- yeah, yeah. conception you can it's amazing isn't health. it so you're born yeah so and um, what a big responsibility that is like Audrey yeah I want you know you, you like you know Audrey. Like we go, we have to go back three generations. Yeah. Like your mother, you and Audrey. Yeah. Are, are the the ones that had the eggs? Yeah. Um, and and you don't you can't you know because we are such complex human beings and we live in such a um, but we have an innate intelligence mm. and it knows what to do. 
but we are living in a more polluted, complex yeah. world. And in my, my way of thinking, um, yes, preconception care is really important and perhaps we'll do a whole podcast on preconception care, what mm. we believe, how to detoxify, we'll do all those steps, is important. But I think more importantly, I think your role going forward will be um, helping mothers in the position you've been in yeah. with children like Audrey. Mm. That these these are the these are this is the protocol you should stick to. This is what we know. Yeah, and you know, and I think you and Nicole together are, dra- mm. are, are trailblazers. <laughs> you know, I'm learning. I learn every day from you two. Mm. Um, and it was it was you that alerted me to what was happening. Yeah. No. Well, I had no idea. No. I had I had never heard of an eosinophilic disease or a mast cell activation, activation. disorder. Yeah, it's it's a big learning. And there's, and there's Gant as well. There's another another one. And good, good. Oh, yeah. yeah. And there's there's just so many. Yeah. Of them. And is this because doctors it's are starting nice. to see so many similar cases that they end up being able to diagnose something as such I, and put I, it into that category? I or? don't know. I was actually just reading on Nicole's Facebook page for her business that since two thousand and ten. Um, Children under four being admitted to hospital for allergies has risen 500%. So I don't think that it's just mm. because we're being able to group these kids now. I think it actually is really... It's epidemic. It's epidemic it? and it's really scary because every second person, you know, I'll tell some a stranger what's happening with Audrey and they're like, oh, well, my friend had similar things with their child. And, you know, it's not isolated anymore. Yeah. But when I was having my babies, which was in the... Um, a long time oh. in the late 80s and early 90s yeah. I didn't know anyone what about you Kimmy you had yours in the 90s late 90s late 90s you mean with allergies or yeah did you have many not many I mean the odd person that was allergic to like red food colouring mm. was a big thing or couldn't have dairy there was a few people allergic to dairy mm. that was about it so that was 15 years ago now you're we're in your era now yeah and we're and in the last very complex they're very complex yeah. my gosh it's that's scary. right yeah it's so hard to diagnose and i've got at our last appointment we had a, a team of three pediatricians sitting there trying to figure out what was going on and they just they couldn't she's got symptoms for all the eosinophilic disorders, the mast cell activation disorder, she does have reflux. She fits every category, but does she have everything? I don't think so. Um, maybe there's a new category that yeah. we make for her. Maybe she has Audrey maybe syndrome. Call it Audrey syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> she might have a name, something named yeah. after The thing is, though, that I watched she was a mother and I watched you cope with this beautifully. Mm. And I don't know if any many other mothers, like I know every mother pulls out what they need to pull out in order to save their child. They, mm. It doesn't matter. They're out there doing it. So I just, you know, I think Audrey, and I know the paediatrician said if it was any other mother, he's just not sure that they yeah. could have been able to handle it. And he always asks you, how are you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> how are you going? Yeah. Instead of looking at Audrey straight away, she yeah. wants to know how you're going. Because yeah. I know you don't get a lot of sleep. No. <laughs> you do not get and, a lot of sleep. And you haven't had a lot of sleep for and a while. And do you know no. what she did the other, like, She's got friends that are tired and exhausted, so she goes around and she vacuums their house and she'll do their housework. And I'm only telling you this, listeners, because you need to know how amazing this woman is. But she also, she had friends the other day that couldn't afford to go and buy something for their baby. So she transferred the only money she had in her account at that time into her account to help her. And I just think that sometimes women like you need... Not only a massive sense of, of, of 
of honouring, but just thank you and unbelievable yeah, gratitude for what you give. Yeah. Plus all the women and men you helped through Cindy. Cindy asked you when her coach left for the program, she asked you to come on board. She knew you had that mindset, that ability to handle a lot and to support people through their weight loss. So you've had a massive journey. She works for me as well. She looks after her kids. I know. I'm just saying. But it. thank God it's you. While, yeah, we're, while we're on, on air, I think you should put in for a pay rise. Yeah. Just <laughs> she works in her pajamas. I work in my pajamas. She works in I'm not asking for anything. I'm just going to be quiet in case she realises. <laughs> Would you, what would I mean? We're coming to the end of our time. Yeah. What would your take-home message be to women and men out there, even with an eighth or an ounce of what you're going through? What would be any of your take-home messages? I don't care if you give them to us in all higgledy piggledy. What Ooh. would Mel Kent tell the world after what she's experienced and what she's experiencing around pregnancy and childbirth at the at thirty mm. years of age? Just for people who are going through the same thing or trying to get pregnant. Oh, I don't know. What's your like for us? Sometimes there's just a really big aha, yeah, I, and there's some really good, just a couple of tips that would really help us. Because I agree with you, Cindy. I think the preconception care would be another conversation. Yeah. This is really important, Mel, and yeah. I think what you've learned can teach all of us. Also, yeah. those of us that aren't even experiencing it, but how to help other women going yeah. through it, and who would they go to? I just think don't don't stop don't stop trusting your instincts we're taught all the time not to where we are conditioned not to trust our instincts and it's something you see in birth as well um i see it all the time as a doula and there's this really great quote it's my favorite quote ever and it says there is a secret in our culture and it is not that birth is painful but that women are strong and somewhere along the way, we've given our power away and we forget that we're strong because we're, we get told, you need to do this. You need to be in this position when you give birth. You need these drugs, you know, and, or I had an epidural and it was great. You can't handle the pain. This is what you need. You need the doctor to birth your baby. You do not need, nobody else births your baby. You birth your own baby. You did it. You created it. You birthed it. Nobody's going to take it out for you. Caesareans are another another thing. I'm not saying that caesareans aren't needed because they are. Some people desperately need them. But I think never stop questioning because even with caesareans, there's things you can do. I've got a beautiful friend who just had Townsville's very first lotus caesarean, which you've probably never heard of, but it's where the baby's born and the placenta's left attached to the baby. And so instead of cutting the cord taking the baby away to do all the tests and manually removing the placenta, this beautiful obstetrician let Natalia, or let, I say, she chose. She asked for it. She asked for it and she got it um, to wait for the placenta to come away naturally. And, And while they were waiting for that to happen, this gorgeous obstetrician held the baby up to her very own chest because the cord wouldn't reach up to my friend's chest. And when it came away... My friend got her baby, got the placenta, and they got to go back to their room. Her husband got to cut the cord, and mm-hmm. which was very symbolic for him because his first two children were born via cesarean and they cut the cord for you, so you don't get to do that. Um, and breastfeeding, and she did the... She actually did, if you watch Microbirth, um, you can do something called... It's, it's a swabbing, and you actually swab um, cesarean babies with the bacteria from the mother, and that seeds their gut... Um, and then if you then breastfeed, you're then feeding the bacteria, the newly seeded bacteria. So 
she's done that as well. I'm so proud of her. But the, these are the things. You can ask for things. You don't have to just blindly follow. You can say, I don't want the glucose tolerance test and hope that you don't get blackmailed. You can um, you can refuse things. And if, if your child has has something and you know it's not right and people are telling you it's just eczema it's just this or that and you know that it's not go and don't stop just keep asking keep keep pushing keep pushing the boundaries because if I had have kept feeding Audrey and kept listening to the doctors and kept eating everything when I was breastfeeding there's a good chance she either wouldn't be here or that she would like the doctor said the other the other day in an isolation room she would be like the girl in the bubble so intuition, intuition, I think, is yeah. what I get, yeah. is that we as mothers do have great intuition because yeah. I know that they've wanted to do things to Audrey and you've said, I don't think that that's a good thing. No, and even things you'd think were healthy, like I misunderstood mm. something with broth and I thought we were trying to get her completely on broth, which I had in the beginning tried to give her broth and she reacted and I just thought... I really respect the people telling me this, but I don't think it's right for Audrey and I fear that it would kill her. And then we found out it was actually I'd misinterpreted. We um, all misinterpreted. Well, we all did. Yeah, we all misinterpreted um, But the thing is, that was my instinct and I had this great admiration and respect for these people, but I still had to listen to my instincts exactly. and follow it. Yeah. 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 So don't stop. Don't let people... Railroad yeah. you. Yeah. I'm yeah. with you. I'm with you. Still, um, still, Michael's still on the scene. Um, we, just, we just had a lovely few days with Michael. He's the most amazing <laughs> daddy. Any more babies? Oh, oh no. <laughs> I can't. Practicing? No. State of their bedroom this morning. I would have loved that. <laughs> <laughs> I said to Kimmy before, I'm like, either we've had a really good night or a really bad night. I can tell you it was a really bad night. Because <laughs> <laughs> Audrey was up all yeah, night. Yeah. We didn't hear a thing, no. did we? Oh, no. no. <laughs> Oh, well, Mel, I just, I don't know, you you are a beautiful soul and I genuinely mean that when I share the stories of what you do for other people. But other people do it for me too, I just have to say that. I, I know, they do, but that's I've why. seen that group yeah. that do that, what you're they do for you. You're a beautiful network. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. That's a stunning network. That's yeah. probably the take-home for me in this, is that yeah. you're not alone. Get back to the village. The we village. need the villages. Oh, that's, that's the take-home I've there taken from you. You happy now? I'm happy now. Intuition and village yeah. and, and support. Yeah, definitely. Totally. We're not meant to live alone, isolated in a chemical world. Well, if you've loved this podcast as much as we have and you've got any questions that you'd like to ask Mel um, or us directly that we can put forward to Mel or you've got any thoughts or questions around birthing, um, please go to our Facebook page, um, all the W's, facebook.com forward slash up for a chat or go to the wellnesscouch.com forward slash up for a chat and post your comments there you can also personally message us go to itunes give us a five star rating i thought i'd get that one yes 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 definitely (laughs) Um, please share this podcast with other women and families that you think could do with listening to this i think mel is someone that's story needs to be heard there's a lot of families and, and people out there suffering not knowing what's what to do not knowing where to turn and i think Part of our responsibility is is being part of that village, part of that tribe. So if you've enjoyed this as much as we have, please let us know your feedback. And if you're interested in anything else that we're offering, make sure you go to our Facebook page too and become part of the ripple effect that's changing the world. We'll see you next week. 
This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.